The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Strahd and Dock and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. You're very welcome to Late Lunch this beautiful Friday afternoon. Ah, this is the weather, isn't it? Crisp and dry. I had to walk a little errand early this morning. God, the footpaths, they were dodgy all right. But I managed to keep myself balanced and be here with you this afternoon. How are you doing out there? I hope you're all doing the best you can in these difficult times. Well, for the next couple of hours, we'd like to take you on a journey of your imagination here on Late Lunch with lots of chat with wonderful guests and music as well. And my featured artist this week, don't forget, final song coming up from the wonderful carpenters i found a man with a Renault 5 oh yes i have indeed he's great we're going to be talking to him later on that classic car i was telling you yesterday that will be coming back it looks like Renault are going to bring back the Renault 5 and uh, we have another ring story for you yes we heard a story yesterday from Quiva Rooney about her husband owns ring going missing well we have another one for you today and you gotta hear it as well and more besides on the show 086 1800 658 whatsapp or text me to the show or you can call in an 8 now, in light of and following on from the mother and baby home report, we had many people who'd got in touch with us to uh, tell us their wee stories. And uh, you might remember Kathleen Tute joined us on the show and then Margaret Madden at the start of the week. And they evoked a huge reaction, I have to say. Now, some people can talk, others can't talk about it. And I want another lady to tell you her story this afternoon. Her name is Claire Swain and she's on the line. Hello, Claire. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Now, let's go back to the year 1987, Claire, the year you were born. Will you tell us the story? Uh, and obviously you found out all about it subsequently of that time. Who was your mum? Who was your dad? And what happened? So in 1987, my mother Yvonne and her partner Shamie found out they were pregnant. Now Yvonne was 16 and Shamie was 19 and they lived in a village down the country where this was not a normal thing and not something that people would be accepting of. So as far as I'm aware, she was a little bit far gone by the time she told people about it, (laughs) as you can imagine. And... They had decided that, obviously, she wasn't going to keep the baby. So Yvonne went up to Malahide to live with a family who the head of the family was a sea, a sea captain. So she worked as an au pair while she was pregnant with me and continued up here until she had me. Now, she had me in the Rotunda because I was adopted through the Rotunda Girls Adoption Agency to a lovely couple, Eddie and Carmel, that lived in Wicklow. Now, Eddie and Carmel couldn't have children themselves. They had already adopted a child, my sister, who's four years older than me. And Yvonne, my birth mother, had picked my parents for me because it would give me a sister, because my mother had grown up with a sister. My birth mother had a sister as well. So she had chosen my parents. So they got the call, and six weeks after I was born, they got to take me home. I can... Only imagine. I know you say she picked you, but she was losing you as well. God, I just oh yeah, like, think about what she must have gone through. I, I text the other day is because Margaret's story kind of hit home with me because mm. she had her child in eighty seven or eighty nine, and she yeah. talked about how she was treated by the doctors 
in 89. And I said to myself, oh, God, I was born in 87. I can only imagine how my birth mother was treated. Mm. Having me, like a young 16-year-old up in Dublin, you know, as far as I'm aware, and I'm not 100% sure, but there was someone with her, but I don't think it was her mother holding her hand, you know, that way. Yeah. And, you know, the situation as she gave birth and then having and knowing that she was going to give you up for adoption and having to leave you and say goodbye and then go back home down the country, as you said, to try and pick up her life again. Shocking. Yeah. And I know, for instance, that she never held me. She'd made the conscious decision that if she would hold me, she wouldn't be able to let me go. My, oh my, when you think about that, God, the poor girl at 16 years of age, it's it's horrendous, isn't it, to think about. Anyway, you are adopted and to a lovely couple as well. You have a sister. Did they tell you? Did you know that you were somebody else's child? I always knew I was adopted. It was never a question. Mammy said, I came home one day and says, was I in your belly? And she said, no, you're in another mammy's belly. And she explained the whole story. Now, I don't remember that, but I just know I've always grown up being adopted. In school, I went to school with people who were being adopted. It was never something unusual. Okay, so you just got on with your life. You lived in a very nice home with lovely parents that you loved deeply and had a sister, as you said to me as well. You know, as you go into your teens and, you know, we start to question more and wonder, did you ever go back to them again and say, do you know who my mother and father are? Well, they always had told us growing up, whenever you want to find out, we will support you 100%. Now, in Ireland, you have to be 18 to even start looking. So I always had it in my head. I didn't have to decide till I was at least 18. So I thought nothing of it. And when people would say it to me, you know, oh, are you going to meet your birth parents? I always said, you know, I don't know. Sure, we'll see what happens. So it was never, there was no animosity towards my birth parents. So there was never, oh, I have to give out to them or, you know, I don't want to know them. There was none of that. It was more of an indifference. But as fate would have it, you didn't reach your 18th birthday and circumstances changed. You actually met your birth father. Yeah. So when I was 17, um, the adoption agency, the RJS, rang my birth parents, my mom and dad, and told them that somebody had contacted them and was looking for me. And because I was under 18, it was up to them whether the information was passed. Now, they decided, because they were always so open about it and they knew me as a person, that I'd be well able to deal with the situation. So they contacted them and they had a discussion and then they sat me down. My parents sat me down and told me they got the phone call and that, unfortunately, my birth mother had passed away. But her mother, my birth grandmother, had contacted them and wanted to know if I'd like to be contacted. So it started off with a letter. I sat on my bed as a 17-year-old with all my multicoloured pens, writing all the chapters in different colours and picking out pictures to send them. I was so excited. And that was sent down to them. And then a few months later, they organised a meet-up date for me to meet my birth father because unique to my situation, my birth parents had stayed together. They'd gotten married They'd had a child 15 years after I was born and I had the chance to meet them all. 
My, oh my, what a story. Uh, this is, come back to your mammy, uh, Yvonne. Uh, she'd passed away. You, uh, how, how long was she dead when you actually then met your birth dad? So Yvonne had passed away in the March when I was still 16. And as far as I'm aware, now I will say, Jerry, there's conversations that I've had with people from my birth family and everything growing up. And I cannot say that what I was told was gospel, but mm. I have never needed to find out the nitty gritty details and never wanted to. Whatever happened back then was the way things were. So if I was told, for instance, that she was had the option to meet me. And because she was so sick, she knew I'd be in either my leaving third year or my first year in college. She decided at that point she didn't want to, say, turn my life upside down. Mm. So that they'd wait and see what would happen. And as it happens, my grandmother went ahead and contacted me. But that's just how it happened. You know, and it happened for the better. Yes. So unfortunately, she was diagnosed, I think it was probably in the November with cancer and she passed in March. My oh my. So you never met her, but you do meet your dad. What was that like to meet that man, to see him? And did you embrace? What was it like? Was it warm? How was it? It was unique. So I had to go to the RGA offices. Um, They had moved at the time. So it was just off this little side street in O'Connell Street and just this random little door. And my parents and my sister had come with me as some more relatives had come with my birth father. But they had asked that myself and my birth father meet individually first up in one of their offices. So I was brought up to a room and sat down. And then this man who I'd never met before came in and um, was obviously upset and kind of, you know, there's this girl standing in front of you, I'm sure. But we did hug and we did smile and we did chat. And he brought his wedding album and they lent me the wedding album for a couple of weeks so I could bring it home and show all my family. And it was just brilliant. And then after that, I went on to meet my two and a half year old little sister who we brought with them. And then my granny and granddad had also come up with them. And then the usual, we went out for lunch in Dublin and other aunties happened to be in Dublin at the same time. Would I mind if they popped in to meet me? And (laughs) it was just a great day and it was Christmas time, you know, so big day out in the city. Oh my, such, such a momentous time for you and to take all that in to meet dad, then your little sister as well. And, And there's more to this story because there's more to your family now. There are other sisters. Yep. So I've known my little sister since she was one and a half. So she's never known any different. Um, then my birth father remarried a lovely lady called Mary Rose. And they went on to have two more daughters. So I now have three sisters and I know them all. <laughs> Isn't this just something else? Uh, yeah, so you have a big extended family now. Yes, I was very lucky because back then when... Women gave up babies if they were lucky enough to know where the baby went and be on the birth certificate and have the opportunity to leave their name in case their child would ever come looking. Most of the time, the father's name was never there. So the option to meet him became very difficult for any adopted child in Ireland. But because mine had married, it was very easy because they were all there waiting for me. Mm. 
And what about mum and dad who reared you and, and, and their part in this whole thing? Very supportive, understanding, made it easy for this to happen? Always. Without a doubt, there was never any issue. Like, the night we got the phone call, I remember all of us crying. And I was a 17-year-old smoker at the time and didn't like my family knowing I was smoking, hit us. And I remember my mother getting my next-door neighbour, who I was very close to, to come in and give me a cigarette. And we all just cried because my mother and father wanted to thank Yvonne for giving them the opportunity to be parents. I wanted to meet her to let her know she had made the right decision because I know a lot of birth mothers out there that have to give their child up, live their whole lives not knowing if the child's angry with them or if they made the right choice. So we were all very upset that we never got the opportunity to tell her. Like, mm. God love her, she passed before she even seen her second daughter grow up. You know, it was very unfair how it went. So it was an upsetting time, but... Like, as we've gone on, my parents and my sister and even my niece have been a large part of my adopted family as well. Any family events they have down there, it's not just me invited. It's my whole family that's invited. You know, my parents and I were guests at my birth father's wedding. I was actually a bridesmaid at my auntie's wedding, so my birth mother's sister's wedding in Lanzarote. And I flew over and my mum and dad flew over. So Anything that happens, they involve the whole family. It's not just Claire. Like, they've added a new family to theirs as well. Amazing. An amazing story. It really is. It caught me as soon as I heard of this. I said, I have to let late lunch listeners hear this story because it is so uplifting and remarkable. The one sad part is that you never met Yvonne, your birth mother. I, I, I know that. When you look at the pictures of her and you, you know your dad now, do you see yourself? Do you see the resemblance? Who are you like? Um, I'd say now I'm more like my birth father, but there is pictures of Yvonne on her wedding day and the way she looks and even her mannerisms that I see pictures of. And my mother would laugh going, Jesus, you're the spit of her there. But my <laughs> my birth sister, Laura, I have a little two and a half year old now. And my two and a half year old is the spitting image of my sister when she was little. Hmm. Yeah. Isn't that just... Special, special as well. The way the looks have uh, moved through and on through the generations uh, uh, as well. Do you feel, you know, you never saw her. You did eventually made contact, make contact. You have all these people in your life now, your mum and dad and on the natural parent side of the family as well. You said it, I think, a minute ago. Fair to say that despite all, you feel lucky, much luckier than many. Much luckier than many. Like, we see it all in the news at the minute, like so many people were so unlucky with the way things went back then, the way things were done. And even, you know, I was talking to my birth father during the week and telling him that I was coming on and chatting or whatever. And he said he didn't even realise that the mother and baby homes were still going on back then and how lucky it was that my situation was dealt with the way it was. And that's your mam, And you always have to be grateful to her for that. She sent you in the direction to your mammy and daddy that have yeah. been so marvellous to you all these years. Oh, my, oh, my. This is just something else. It really is. And it is a good news story with all the sad ones we hear and people who weren't as lucky as yourself. Just as an aside, um, you are a wedding planner, aren't you? You work with the Glen side. I am. I work in the Glen side. 
Yeah, and uh, a lovely job planning weddings. Um, very little going on at the moment? Um, Wedding-wise, yes, but busy enough with, you know, talking to my brides, keeping in contact with them, getting yeah. all their plans A, B, C and D ready, you know, just keeping it all keeping it all going, really, dealing with the day-by-day as we can. Yeah, like everybody is doing their best, Claire, you know, in the uh, current situation. Everybody, and I know that, nobody sets out in the morning to deal with what we've all had to deal with, but we are doing our best, and I know you are too, and I wish everybody well at the Glenside. They're lovely people, and we've had a great relationship with the Glenside through the years here on LMFM Radio and on the late lunch as well, so you might pass that on to them because uh, they're great people indeed. We're very lucky at the moment because we're in a position to offer takeaways and deliveries, so we do... Fridays, Saturdays, 4.30 till 1 or 4.30 till 8 and then 1 till 7 on a Sunday and you know, the reputation we have locally and all our regulars that really look after us, they've been coming back all through lockdown and ordering takeaways and it just it really helps and it pulls the community together Mm. you know renowned for your uh, Calvary over the years and it's still going strong. Nice to get yeah. that mention in as well. <laughs> well, look, May, I thank you again for sharing your story uh, with us this afternoon. And I'm uplifted. I'm really, uh, I'm smiling here thinking of, you know, the way it turned out for you and the family you have now, the extended family. It is just wonderful. I wish you well with your little one yourself and all you do. And thank you again. Thanks. Thank indeed. you for having me on. Take care of yourself. That's uh, Claire Swain there with her story of adoption back in 87. And it worked out well for her, didn't it? It did, folks. It really did work out well. If you have a story, if you have anything to say, if you'd like to comment on what we've uh, just been listening to on Late Lunch, please don't hesitate to uh, contact us on the show. Uh, 086 658 If you want to send me a message, WhatsApp or text me now. Or if you'd like to call in, it's 1850-715-958. Heading to a short break on Late Lunch. Stay with us on the show. Lots of chat, song, music, etc. to come between now and half past three. Back in a moment. Sea line spotted at Slane Bridge. Saw that story. Was it yesterday or the day before? And again today. Nothing new, folks, if you're an angler and aware of what goes on. Yes, sea lions. Normally see them at the coast, especially around Clotterhead. There's been an explosion of them. But they do head up the river, up the Boyne, as far as Slane, at least the weir there. One spotted there the other day. I shudder to think the damage they're doing to salmon and trout stocks. Oh, they're voracious altogether. And up there, obviously, searching for food. That's the only reason. Anyway, if you spot a sea lion at Slane Bridge, your eyes aren't deceiving you. It's a fairly common occurrence, I have to say. Now, still to come on late lunch. And he's coming up after two. The Renault 5. We've found a man who has a Renault 5. And he's going to have a chat with me on the show shortly. We're heading first, though, to uh, news and weather at two in the company of Mr. Brian Kennedy. No better man. Don't forget you can listen to live commentary of many of the Premier League matches which take place on Saturdays on the LMFM app or by clicking on the Listen tab on the LMFM website. Now, the fourth round of the FA Cup is on this weekend. It's just one game in the Premier League. It's Aston Villa against Newcastle, 8 o'clock on Saturday evening. You can listen to that one. Uh, get closer to the action with 
Premier League live now at Now TV. Only pay for the games that matter to you, your sport on your terms with Now TV. May a culpa, and thank you so much for pointing it out to me. What was I thinking of? Sea lines. The sea lines are in Dublin Zoo. My old head's gone soft here by myself every day. That's the problem, to be honest with you. Of course, they're grey seals. They are indeed. It's a big grey seal that was spotted uh, up at the Weir in Slane on the River Boyne. As I said, those grey seals, they're up there on a regular basis in the river, but there's uh, been one there the last few days. No doubt looking to clean out some fish from the uh, famous uh, River Boyne. Uh, Maureen called in to say that she received a Christmas card today. Happy Christmas, Maureen. It was posted on the 21st of December in Goatstown in Dublin and has arrived today to Navin. She's wondering, is it worth sending a Christmas card at all? Oh, well, sure, look, it. it's a little bit late, but there's a nice wish, I'm sure, on it. And uh, I'd keep that one out till next year, to be honest with you, Maureen. But it ties in with a lot of what we've been hearing with cards arriving very late this year and parcels as well. I think we have to give them a pardon this year, to be honest with you, with all that's going on. But Maureen, thank you indeed for keeping us in mind and getting in touch with me on the show. Now, I mentioned yesterday that the Renault 5 is making a comeback. Yes, Renault have issued an image of the new Renault 5. It'll be all electric and it looks snazzy. And I was telling you that Renault 5s were one of the cars to have many moons ago. Ourself here had one TIK552. We used to call it 552 ticks, a little white Renault 5. Well, I've found a man. I believe he's still driving a Renault 5. Well, we're going to find out now. Dennis Farrell is on the line. Hello, Dennis. Hello, Jerry. Are you driving one? I am driving a Renault 5, Jerry. Yes, I am indeed. I bought it uh, in 2016, 1975, and it had only 15,000 miles in it. Uh, a barn find from. Uh, a man in Tipperary. <clears throat> <laughs> what did he do with it? Take it out of the garage on Sundays, drive to the chapel no, and put no, it back he, in the garage. He actually, it was belonged to a, a, a solicitor's wife in Ross Grey in Tipperary and uh, he bought, it, she died, I think, and she, he bought the place. It was lying up for 30 years, the car. So uh, I acquired two of my colleagues in the Celtic Gold Vehicles Owner Club to, to come down and have a look at it with me and we bought it there and then and I got it uh, transported back to Navin on a uh, <coughs> transporter. <laughs> what colour is it? It's white. <clears throat> and well, being a garage man, because I know you worked for Joe Norris yourself for years, right. uh, what what condition would you describe the body of it for a start? What's it like? Uh, it was in very good condition. Like There was a little bit of surface rust, a little uh, under the driver's foot. Other than that, now there was a couple of little marks on it, but I got them all rectified now, and it looks really pristine now at the moment. <clears throat> So, and the engine, what engine size? It's a 956, it's a one litre engine in it. <clears throat> so, and yeah. petrol? Petrol, yes. <clears throat> and the engine, it, would you say is uh, from a mechanical point of view, you know that term, sweet as a nut? Oh yes, absolutely, absolutely. It was, you know, it was a nice little car to drive always and very comfortable and smooth and, <clears throat> you know, I, I drove the first Renault 5 in County Meads, I'd say, like XAI 5 registration number. <clears throat> So, like, I had a lot of, of uh, affection for the car, really, over the years. And when I saw this one, I wasn't going to let it go. So, we, as I say earlier, we went on down to Tipperary to look at it and bought it there and, and then and got it transported home. So, 1975. So, here now, I my imagination is going to run wild a little bit with you here. But bear with me. And if you could answer, this is like a question and answer session. But I want to know this. First off, 
I take it it has a radio. Has it a tape no, deck? It didn't, it didn't have a radio. It, it, no, oh, it no. No, I did add one myself to it because uh, I, you know, I like a bit of uh, music in the car. Or certainly be able to, if you're on the journey, if you're on your own, it's nice to have it there anyhow. Like, and that. So I got a radio fitted in it, like, and that's all right. But it didn't come with a radio in 75. No, no, no definitely. There was no radio standard in them. No, there was, I think the seatbelts were even a, an extra at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and there's belt, there's belts in it now. Yeah, you oh, have seat belts. Now, absolutely, yes, yeah, yeah. What about headrests? Oh no, it was something like that in the hall. No, no, that's be real luxury altogether. <laughs> no, no, it was it was uh, very comfortable without it. But I suppose nowadays, like they're compulsory, really, like for safety and all that yeah. sort of thing. But <clears throat> what do you come under category wise for tax, and how do you fare with NCTs? Well, it's exempt from NCT, the fact that it's over 40 years old. And um, the tax is the vintage tax on it. It's 56 for the year. So you don't have to worry about getting this letter from uh, Ennis every uh, uh, so often to say to bring her for a check or whatever. And um, vintage when it comes to tax. Do you mind me asking you, insuring it, is it expensive to insure? Well, it's uh, €200 to insure it. it was with access at the moment, <clears throat> 200 euro to, for the year. But you're restricted oh, to mileage, and you can't do any more than what, 3,000 miles a year, I think, anyway. That's, but I like, as I say, I only take it out on plastic runs now, really. And that's what it yeah. Is for. <clears throat> yeah. God, it was a find, wasn't it, to pick yeah, a car like that up? Really? Yes, it yes. really so was. I, I have about, in the last four years, I have a, accumulated about 26,000 on it now, so I have t- about 11,000 miles on it, like, and that's since that. But. <clears throat> No, it's, it's obvious to drive, I have to say, like really in that, you know. You can verify with your background with uh, Joe Norris and, and Renault, etc. They they were, um, you know, when they came out and they really became popular, they were something else. People wanted to have one, didn't they? Oh, absolutely, yes. The only thing, I suppose, about them, the Fiat 127 was there at the same time and the Renault 5 was quite a two or three hundred euro dear, which was a lot of money at the time, like in that, and it, it might have held them back a bit, but they were always in scarce supply. Like They were actually launched in 1972, the Renault 5 in France, but mm. they, they didn't come into Ireland until 1974, two years later, because they, they, I think Renault people in Ireland thought they were too dear and they wouldn't sell, but I think eventually they got a, a deal to a compromise with, with France anyhow to take them in. And, that's yeah, what the, happened anyhow, like in that. Yeah, there was two of them in our family. I, I remember them well, and they were highly regarded. Yeah, oh, yeah. have you seen this concept that that I I've seen? seen? It, yes, I have seen yeah. it. It's only a prototype, I believe, at the moment. Yeah. What do you make of it? Do you think oh, it could go? Oh, I think it will go very well. Yeah, and it's like it's electric. It's a, again mm. another two years down the road. There'll be a lot more demand for that type of thing as well. Anyway, so. Yeah, but but look at the nostalgia for the Mini, look at the nostalgia for the little Fiat, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. th- there is a mark. Yeah. And that brings me on to something else, because you've been a Renault man. What about the Renault 4? Because there's a rumour that that may make a, a reappearance as well. Oh, I believe it is, yeah. that's. I think that might be a bit more further advanced up the line than the 5, I'd say, like National, but um, it looks really well. I've seen it, all right. I'm keeping it quite, I, I'm quite an eye on it on the... Um, internet all the time they're just watching this and that you know <clears throat> mm. it was um a- another car that was a popular car the forerunner to the five and a friend of mine was just telling me yesterday eddie that he he visits the algarve and he said it- it's still a car that you'll see uh quite a lot of being used day to day in portugal oh yes 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 
and uh, they, of course, the gear stick, the famous thing was the gear stick in the, uh, up on, up on the dash where the new screens are in, in, in the cars. You know, your, all your that's technology right, is. Right, yes, yeah. Yeah. That, people might not re- remember that one. Yeah. Um, Louise was telling me you have, uh, another unusual Renault, have you? I have a, a Renault Twingo. It's a left hand drive one, yes. <clears throat> and what's the story with that? Well, it, it was a car I bought, uh, in 2006 left-hand drive and I just I always fancied one I saw one on the internet when we bought it in Dublin and again uh, I I drove it in France quite a bit like in that and I have to say it was lovely to drive and still nice to drive I still drive it not as uh, much as I used to but <clears throat> mm. it's, uh, so a Twingo a Renault Twingo, Twingo it's, 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 left-hand left-hand drive see the, the only did the left-hand drive version in the first one they brought in you know they never brought into this country because it's only left-hand drive but it was an Irish registered one I got as well, uh, a Cork registered one. So it uh, it fitted the bill for me at the time anyhow, like that. So I bought mm. it and I still have it. I have it 14 years now. What's it like to left-hand drive in a right-hand drive country? Oh, it's no problem. It's just a matter of knowing where you are on the road, like in that. You know, you just have to be careful, obviously, going around the left-hand bend and that sort of thing, like in that, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> but it's grand. It's, it does. It takes. It's surprising how quickly you get used to it, though. Like and that. You know, I, I drove it um, last year before I took it over to France there, and I uh, have to say it was. I really felt at home and driving it like and that, and it's mm. extremely comfortable. Long journeys or anything like that. It's well able to do it. <clears throat> Yeah, interesting. I'll leave that to yourself. I wouldn't even like to take it on. There'd be carnage on the roads if I got in. I'd be that inadequate, to be honest with you, Uh, Dennis. When you look at the range that, you know, where Renault have come today with their cars and the technology they have on board, um, there's been massive advancement. It's night and day, isn't it, when you talk about the four of the five and today's models? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean all the different uh, safety features they have on them now and like the styling is second to none it's beautiful and all the models they have at the moment I have to say yeah. like, it really really looks well all the models they have and uh, <clears throat> um, like all the safety features they have when you have your ABS brakes and your all the different things and you know over the years there's certainly all driver aids and beneficial to the actual yeah. car itself anyway like that <clears throat> You know, when you say you love the Twingo to drive and you tell me the Renault 5 is sweet, and then, uh, of course, you have a newer car yourself, what is it? What is the attraction, you know, in the vintage? Well, it's just, I suppose, the cars, I've seen them all before, but uh, I made a lot of new friends in the club and that sort of thing. I'm in the Celtic Gold Mm. being in the club, and uh, I have to say they're they're a lovely bunch of people, both men and women, and they can ask my wife joins me on a lot of trips as well so that we go on so it's a great social event for us now anyway like that yeah so that's the that's the part the camaraderie and people into the same thing like yourself and yeah. uh, that's what you really enjoy about it there you go so I- I'm delighted to talk to you because I honestly thought yesterday mentioning it I said there's not a chance that anybody will have one of these but there you are you've come out yeah, from well, the I woodwork have, I have the original Renault 5 they, they, they did bring out a phase 2 version of it and then they brought out a Mark 2 version of it but I have the yeah. original uh, which is the one I was looking for really and that, that's what I purchased that in 70, or in 2016 yeah yeah, so there you go. And good luck to you, Ed, and many more years of safe and happy driving in the original five and the Twingo as well and all else besides. And I know you're a well-known man from your years. You spent a lot of time in Joe Norris. I did, yeah. I did indeed, yeah.
you did and many people will know you speaking okay. to me today well Dennis look thank you indeed for taking time to take a call I appreciate it all right. Thank you, Jerry. Right. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's uh, Dennis Farrell there with an original Renault 5. What about that? <laughs> that was I going to ask him about a tape deck. No radio. Well, do you know, funny thing. My first car was a Mini. I think I told you this before. A little uh, um, maroon-coloured one. My mammy used to call it the Sputnik. She was always afraid of it. It was the first car ever in our house, and I, I got it. Anyway, I loved it. S-I-Y-2-1-1. But he's right, you know. Um, I think I think I think it was a seventy three mini, but I'm nearly sure there was a little radio in it. But I certainly then, I, like Dennis said there, I wanted a, a proper radio, so I got a, a Pioneer stereo and put her. Well, I didn't put her in; got somebody else to put her in, wire her up for me, and I had two big speakers on the back windows. <laughs> and we, Jesus, I'll tell you, she'd lift you out of it with the sound. It was wonderful, and of course, there was a tape deck in the Pioneer as well as the radio. And uh, of course, you'd be tuning into Radio Romance in those days on the Boyne side, and then on LMFM Radio. You know what I'm talking about? Sure, it was great. I thought it was the bees, knees, and the wee mini. There you have it: the cars, the memories of cars. They're fantastic. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. I've just had a lady just a message just drop in as i'm speaking to you here there is another renault 5 in the northeast we're coming back to this we will be coming back just got a message there just see it popping in as i speak to you and if you want to talk to me if you want to send me a message don't forget 086-1800-658 whatsapp or text me directly or you can call in now at 1850-715-958 go nowhere i'm here you stay there back in a moment 24 hours a day seven days a week yes that's lmfm country Country, country music fans, you'll find just great country with the likes of Mike Denver, Johnny Cash, Nathan Carter, Michael English and many, many more. Darren Mahan and Paul McKenna presenting every day, bringing you just great country. And you can always listen uh, on the LMFM app. Make sure you have that app downloaded. Bring it with us and we'll be with you no matter where you go every day. Or you can tune in to uh, Just Great Country on LMFM.ie. Thank you indeed for your messages. Margaret was on to say, oh, what an inspiring story of Claire's, Jerry, in the whole adoption story landscape. Sounds like our family are amazing. They are indeed, Margaret. Thank you. Nice to hear from you, Jimmy. Jimmy Dooley on to us this afternoon. Jerry, what a beautiful story from that young lady. I wish her all the very best in life. And I just want to remind you uh, that uh, if you're Thinking of adopting hens or getting hens, hens, many people getting hens for the backyard and a couple of hens, they lay eggs every day, you have fresh eggs. Well, Little Hill Animal Rescue are carrying out another hen rescue operation this weekend and they're looking for people in Navin and Kells to adopt hens. They're uh, going to Navin and Kells this Sunday with hens for adoption. And if you want to adopt hens, there's one way to do it. You go to their Facebook page, Little Hill Animal Rescue and Sanctuary, and you can reserve your hens there and they'll get back to you at a time and they'll meet you with the hens. So that's Little Hill Animal Rescue and Sanctuary on Facebook if you'd like to adopt hens. They're in Navin and Kells this Sunday. So if you'd like them, there's your opportunity. It really is. Well, I'll tell you a little story. This morning I mentioned lovely frosty morning crisp and uh, I was dropping, I had to drop Miriam into work, work real early and out we went. Uh, the ice had to be taken off the car, you know, the usual with the jug of sort of warm water because it was frozen solid. And like a shot, I looked to me left under, we went up in my car, her car, and there he was, a body in the driveway, 
under the car. Yes, a body in the driveway, I joke you not. Four-legged body, Roland Rat. The big rat he is. I've sent the pictures round to people. He was a big boy lying dead as a doornail under the car. Now, I'm so glad she didn't see it because she would have just ran for the hill. She'd probably never come back to the house again. Anyway, said nothing, got into the car, dropped her off, came back and uh, I picked him up myself and I've looked after it. Now, I wonder where he came from. I've come to one conclusion. There's a lot of building going on in this neck of the woods. And you know when building's going on? Habitats are disturbed, especially for creatures like rats. And I reckon he was looking for somewhere to lay his hat and hang up and hang out for a while. And we were in the vicinity. But I have another theory. There's a cat. We don't have cats, but there's a cat somewhere around. And he passes by our house around about midnight every night because the lights come on outside my house. And they went on last night. I was just retiring to bed at that stage around midnight. The lights came on and I thought I heard a bit of a kerfuffle out front. Like, you know when you hear something. But it didn't bother checking out. And I'm just wonder, did Mr. Cat meet Mr. Rat? And that was the end of the rat. What do you think? I, I think that's probably what happened. I'm trying to put two and two together. But just a little warning in it for you. If you're anywhere where there's new building going on or renovations or that, do keep your doors closed. If you're opening the windows, be careful as well because they will come in and get in and colonize and then you're in real trouble if that happens. I've often had mice and I can deal with them, but a rat in the house, nah, just couldn't take that, to be honest with you. I really couldn't. Anyway, murder investigation, Balanchala, Balamakenny Road underway. What happened to the rat? How did he die? I reckon it's the cat. If you have any theories or you want to throw your tuppence worth in, don't forget those numbers again. Oh, it's 658 You can WhatsApp or text me with your thoughts on late lunch this afternoon. I hope she doesn't hear this story. You know who I'm talking about? Oh, God, if she hears about this, there'll be wigs in the green. Don't tell her. Don't tell her. Don't tell her. I'm just telling you today. Don't tell Mary. Don't say a word. Please, 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 please don't. Still to come on late lunch. How do you sell and market your products when people need to get the scent of what you're selling. Well, we have two local businesswomen, women talking to me on late lunch shortly. Uh, we have another ring story for you, the carpenters and more besides. But before all that, let's have an else song. Yes, it's Counting Crows and Big Yellow Taxi. Just for you, Mr. Trump, a big yellow taxi. They're waiting for you. Ella's been on to say, I don't understand why I'm actually paying on post. Uh, I'll just give you my little story. I ordered three items on the same day, two from Poland and one from Dublin. The Polish ones were held back and delayed because of COVID-19. But believe it or not, Jerry, they still arrived a few days earlier than the one from Dublin. Thank you indeed for that. A lot of problems with the post. I understand that there are, and we're hearing them here all the time as well. And um, if you have a delay, we always love to hear from you. Let us know on the usual numbers. Now, the RDS at this time every year is a buzz. What am I talking about? Showcase. And it's a huge opportunity for small Irish companies to meet global buyers and sell their products. But with the restrictions, it's not going to happen this year, but it's moved to the virtual world. And we're going to talk about it uh, for the next while with two uh, fantastic local companies from the Wee County, from County Loud, who are representing Loud at Showcase 2021. I'm delighted to welcome back to Late Lunch, Lisa Heaney from Aroma Buff and Emma Fallon from Emma's So Naturals. Good afternoon, ladies. 
Hi, Jerry. Jerry, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me on the show again in this strange way today. But it's really good to talk to you. Can I ask uh, yourself first, Lisa, just to tell our listeners again, I mentioned it there. It's a, a showcase for you people. How important is this, Lisa, for the likes of yourself and Emma and many others every year? Well, for a small business um, like myself and, and for Emma's as well, it's it's sort of puts us on an equal footing with some of the you know the larger brands, Jerry. Um, it's really um, it's really wonderful to be able to be you know presenting your your products to an international market to um, to Irish buyers as well who wouldn't have heard of us, but because of something like Showcase um, and the support that we've had from the the Loud Leo, um, there's really you know a real um, emphasis on on getting our products out there and it gives us an opportunity that we might not have had before um, it's so lovely to meet um, people in person of course but um, I, I mean I was there last year too but this year has I mean the the I think the layout of the online um, virtual platform this year is really excellent in terms of you know you can you can research your buyers you can um, contact them beforehand and then they request meetings with you so for me it's a really it's a really fabulous opportunity Good to hear. Emma, welcome to the show again. Uh, just for you, and this is the one that's been perplexing me since uh, uh, we'd arranged this interview. For both of you, you know, when you think of your products, you know, it's all to do with the aroma, the scent, the smell. How do you do that when you can't touchy-feely or take it in through your nose? But this is where your good product photography comes in, Jerry, and your good product descriptions. You know, you have to get very descriptive in your wording of how you might describe a, a fragrance or a texture of something. So, um, yeah, it's easy when you pick up the product, you know, to instantly know whether you you, you love it or you or, or it's not for you. But you know, this this way, it's a, a visually for starters, and then we've got to get got get creative with our words. Yes, yeah, so there there are means and ways, and it is in this whole area. You've got to be better, sharper, smarter now moving forward. But Lisa, just back to you. When you, when you think about being online and trading online, which you both are, this showcase is for buyers. Buyers don't come to websites, do they? Well, the, um, this has been set up specifically. So buyer, these buyers would have been invited and would have known about yeah. the event, Jerry. So, um, I mean, the same buyers would have been targeted at from last year and previous years. Yes. But obviously, they can't travel from from overseas at the moment. But then they've been given the opportunity to um, to register and um, show their interest in terms of of appearing virtually. Um, I suppose it makes it a lot easier for people as well because mm. people would have travelled from the states and from Asia and from Europe, obviously as well as within Ireland and the UK. And this, um, they can they can just talk to us, you know, from the comfort of their own yes. homes. Uh, yes. you know, having having organised a virtual meeting, I think it's wonderful. Yeah, what I'm getting at is, you know, the way you both have online presences, and I've been looking at both your wonderful websites earlier today, and uh, well done to both of you. And that's for consumers. They come there. But this is specifically, you're right, th- this has been set up to capture the buyer because a buyer doesn't really go to a website like a customer does. You know what I'm saying? Is there a distinction there or am I wrong? I think um, not. No, sorry, Emma, go ahead. I think in this day and age, I think a lot of buyers are actually finding us online. I think, okay. you know, when when they identify um, a, a demand for a certain product, in the, if they're a gift shop or a pharmacy or um, a health food store, if they identify, if, if customers are asking for, you know, say, a natural skincare or a nice uh, natural 
scented candle, they'll go online and they'll do their own research. And a lot of people who come in contact with us might co- might say like, I've I, I was looking online or I was I, I spoke to the craft counselor, I spoke to somebody and they referred me online to I found yourself and and uh, I suppose it's it, it it goes back again to having good product description and also your contact details. You know that you have a phone number there and you mm. your email there and you, you're available for contact immediately. Where if they if to, if they have to go. Um, down a rabbit hole to try and find you um, then they lose interest but once your contact details are there and available and your your product is attractive there uh, the, the move is is online and you, and social yeah. media then on top of that if you've got your social media um active and in, engaging then it that attracts a lot of buyers not just end users but pharmacies and uh, st- uh gift shops and health food stores and you know including twitter as well like loud chat is great on on twitter so a lot of mm. local stockers especially will have found us that way so yeah. um i think traditionally yes they come to the the trade shows by foot and walk around and they uh, can interact with your product there. But I think it's definitely 50-50 or even more that they okay. will find online nowadays. It's good and it's good to hear that the importance of your website, of social media for buyers or for uh, consumers who come to you. Come back to you, Elisa, for a second. You know, in a way, and uh, look, you can't beat the in-person thing. I've said this even myself. I love meeting people uh, to shake the hand, to be there, and you can't beat that. But in a way, does it open up, you know, even a greater uh, perspective to you of potential buyers being online? I, I think so, Jerry. Um, just following on there from what Emma has said, I mean, I find Instagram fabulous. And I mean, if, if a buyer is interested or has heard something about your product, they will go and they'll read the reviews, they'll see what other people have been saying. And that's that's what's enticing in the first instance. Um, just it, it, I think it's really opened it all up. Um, there's not the same pressure of having to travel. There's not, it's not the same expense of accommodation or anything like that. And it just makes it... So much more accessible. That's my experience mm. of it anyway. And I mean, it also to reverse it, um, from the list of buyers that we can see in the likes of the showcase platform, um, I'm sure Emma is, is probably the same, but then, you know, you're going and researching their shop and what they're selling currently and just their social media active um, activity as well. So it, it sort of gives you an idea um, what would work for them and if, you know, if you're a match for them as well. Emma, the uh, Leo was mentioned, the local enterprise office, and I know they're fantastic and the support they give you is invaluable. But what about the Irish consumer? You know, we've been pushing this here on LMFM as well, especially on late lunch, focus on small businesses in the northeast and saying all the time, especially coming up to Christmas there, support local, spend locally. Have you felt uh, a warm glow from that back to you, Emma? 100 percent. Jerry, Irish people have been have come out in force to support local in the last few months. Um, before, obviously, before lockdown, but it's intensified severely over lockdown. Um, we would have seen an increase in in our visitors to our website since definitely since March, and media has played a huge role in that. Um, from TV shows dedicated to you know shop local and shop mm. local and similar campaigns on social media. And definitely, definitely the Irish people have just shown their true colours, I think, in the last few months. Mm-hmm. Body butter, lip balm, wonder balm. What's this wonder balm about? I'm curious. Well, you know what? It used to be called lovely skin balm, which was a wee bit sort of, you know, bland, Jerry. But then um, I was lucky enough, people have been coming back and telling me lots of good things as 
it's helped X, Y, and Z for them. And I felt it deserved a different name. So Wonderbomb was born, um, well, re- reborn rather. So it's a blend of um, county light, beeswax, um, olive oil, apricot oil, and then essential oils of um, lavender, chamomile, and mandarin. And you can use it anywhere. It's really nice for, for dry skin. It's lovely in your hands. Um, you could put it on your face at nighttime, help you sleep, that sort of thing. So, yeah, <laughs> so it's, it has become a favourite amongst the, amongst my customers, which is great. I see that beard gift set you have as well. I think I'll need it because working from home, I couldn't be bothered shaving every morning now. I'm like <laughs> Tom Hanks in that movie where he was lost on the island. I'm getting like uh, that, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the soy candles. What about the candles and the handmade soap and the uh, the essential oils? Talk to me about those, Emma. Yeah, well, like it says in the tin, it's all natural candles with pure essential oils. Um, We've the same fragrance collection echoed across our soap and our new pure essential oil blends for diffusers. Um, I hand make them here in RD. Um, It's just a nice, healthy, natural alternative to your generic candles. So a little treat. Mm. Yeah, I can actually, uh, you know, even describing them, reading about them, you know, you're, if you allow your mind wander, you can actually imagine and uh, not imagine, get them and enjoy them as well. Well, look at you representing the Red and White, the Wee County, uh, 25th to 29th. Uh, at uh, Showcase. I wish you both well. I'm sure you're going to do great business and set up more good relationships for many years to come. You're going great guns and I wish you well and thank you for joining us today on Late Lunch. Thanks, Jerry. Not at all. You're very welcome. That's Emma Fallon there from Emma's So Naturals and Lisa Heaney from Aroma Buff heading for Showcase. Uh, Check them out. They're great women uh, who uh, set up their own businesses and are doing really well and online and social media. Big, big crutch to them at this time in keeping the uh, show on the road. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. There's a ring to our next story. Stay with us. Yeah, there's a real air of sadness around Termin Feckin today with news of the untimely passing of Jimmy Finnegan. I think so many people knew Jimmy. He was a great fella. He worked with the Forge Field, Forge Field, the family there for a 45 years and I know that he always had a big smile and a welcome for everyone, people who lived there all their lives, new arrivals to the parish as well. Everybody knew him and we just remember Jimmy Finnegan on late lunch this afternoon, a great fella who's uh, passed away uh, today. Now, we spoke yesterday to Quiva Rooney and she told us the story of hubby Owen losing the wedding ring in the recycling centre in Navin. And that's uh, prompted quite a few stories of wedding ring losses. And we're going to hear about one now because I'm joined on the line by the groom at the time, Brian Chute, and his good friend, Brian Renahan. Welcome to the Brian's. Hello, boys. Hello, Jeremy. How are you? Thanks for joining me. Brian Chute, we'll start with you first. You were the main man. You got the ring on the finger. You went to Spain to get married. Where in Spain? Um, in a place called Calpe. It was, um, you flew into Alicante, Jerry, and just about an hour um, up north from there, a lovely little village. It wouldn't be kind of a touristy area, very uh, Spanish-type town. Mm, real traditional and this is what you wanted you married the lovely Denise whose decision was it why did you go to Spain well, you can you can imagine that uh, she decided everything <laughs> and uh, yeah no she, we just sort of it was it was in fashion at the time the, the, the foreign wedding Italy Spain there was a lot of yeah. it going on and um, she looked into it 
and yeah, we, we stumbled upon this area and it was it was just yeah, we went out a few times and fell in love with the place and decided that was that was where it was. Great, uh, and you uh, brought uh, a whole wedding party out there with you. The wedding happened. You exchanged vows. You exchanged bands as well. And this is why you're on with me talking about this wedding band, white gold wedding ring. You were only married a day, and you decided to head off with the boys, including the Renahan fella, for a swim. Was that it? Ah, uh, yes, the Renahan fella. Yeah, no. Um, the day after the wedding, it was it was just right at the the sea, and. Um, we, we we got our hands on the, those boogie boards that you, mm. you know you, you lay your body on and, and yeah. sort of half surf, and we went down to the to the to beach and just having a bit of a horseplay and, and acting the Egypt and uh, I was coming back in after we were right there a good half an hour mucking around and walking back up towards the the hotel. I went to kind of wipe my face. Um, and just noticed that it was gone and, and, and freaked out and kind of broke down and, and, and started begging all the lads to to come back in and, and have a pooch and told me I was I was nuts, that there wasn't a hope in hell of it. And I just said, please, if, if I don't try at least for, for 10 minutes, I'll, I'll never know. So yeah. we, we did, we, we proceeded to tip on in and spread about 10 feet apart. There was about eight or 10 of us. Okay, and so you go back, you just go back to the very area where you were swimming to see, can you do anything? Now, you just stop there for a moment. Hold you, Brian Jude. Let's bring in Brian Renahan to take up the story. Firstly, was he afraid of his life to go back to Denise? Tell us honestly, Brian Renahan. What do you think? Any of us would be the same, I think. One, <laughs> one day after, I think we'd all be in that, in that position. Um, I, I, rem- I remember telling him there's zero chance we're never going to find that. It's, it's the ocean. It's not happening. And mm. yeah, he was really, he was really adamant. Can we just, um, can we give it a try? Just let's, ha- let's just so that we can say we tried for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes, whatever it was, we tried to find it. Um, and so a few of us agreed and we said, right, let's go. Let's, let's do this. Let's do this. It's never going to happen. There's no chance of finding it, but let's give it a go. And, um, I don't know. We were probably 15, 20 minutes in. You're trying to guess roughly where we were at the time when we were swimming and messing and, having a bit of crack, so you're you're swimming all around. And, um, yeah, after 15, 20 minutes, uh, I, kinda, I think it was like a shine or a sparkle or something I seen, probably in about maybe five foot of water. And I remember when I just went down to grab it, as I put my hand out, I thought it seemed really large, so I said, this isn't it. But it must have been the fact it was underwater, because then when I grabbed it, it was just sitting in the palm of my hand. And mm. I knew, I don't believe it. I can't believe it. And, yeah, that was it. <laughs> Talk about a needle in a haystack or a grain of sand in the ocean. I don't know, honestly. This is a remarkable story. Anyway, you saved the other fella's bacon. Did you, Brian, back to you, Brian Chute. Did you you tell herself then what happened? Well, we we went back on up. Uh, It was a moment of disbelief. We couldn't believe, first of all, I lost it. And then I couldn't believe that I actually found it. Or Brian Oak found it. Sorry, Brian Oak. Um, and we we went back up, and I think we, we just sort of we tamed the story back a little bit, uh, just to not kind of spoil the last day or two of the the holiday time. Um, but obviously the truth came out then, and I think it was only really 
at the time uh, believable for the for the crew of maybe eight of us that were down. Yeah. Like, if you've seen how wild the waves were and how impossible you would have thought that it, you never were going to get it. Mm. Uh, I, 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 don't, I think you need, it's one of those you nearly need to have seen to believe. Yeah. But you told her anyway. You told her that all was almost lost and suddenly found. I'd say Brian Renahan's a very popular guy in in, in your family circle. He's popular all over the place, really. <laughs> <laughs> you probably heard of him yourself, Jerry. Uh, I, I did. He's one of them guys. You didn't. Um, yeah, he's a. Uh, yeah, we, we, we live uh, we live beside each other now. You know, we bought yes. a house beside each other because of this. Um, <sighs> this brought us closer together. Mm. And, um, yeah, he's, he's look, it, it's something that we'll never forget. It's a lovely story that will really kind of, like, pop up every few years. And as we yeah. both now have kids growing up in the same area together, tell them in years to come that... Your dad found my dad's wedding ring, and just yeah, one of them feel-good stories. That's gonna yeah, be I could see, I could see Renahan with a few pints. You know, I'm uh, the man saved <laughs> that man's marriage the day after he was married. That's me. You're looking at him here. That's me, Brian Renahan. Saved I the day. I might have bragged about it once or twice that night. I might have bragged. You've done that already, yeah. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, you're great fellas. You really, are. it's a wonderful story. But again, I say yeah. it remarkable that you would go back, as you say, in that depth of water. Or the sea quite choppy and to just see that listening it was meant to be that you found it and again I say like yesterday's story in the, in the rubbish uh, to find the ring well you know yours is just something else it really is yeah. anyway you're great fellas and I thank you for thanks, both for Jerry. joining me to tell the story you, take Jerry. care of yourselves thanks Brian thanks, thanks Brian Renahan and Brian Tude goodbye to both of you there you have it all's never lost you see that it's never lost in life there's always a chance there's always a chance remember that uh, great guys aren't they I'd love to be out for a crack with them I'd say it's mighty all together late lunch LMFM radio this Friday afternoon news weather sport on the way and don't forget afterwards it's the final spin for my artists of the week the Carpenters. You're with late lunch on LMFM radio this Friday afternoon I think the cat killed that rat in your drive, Jerry, for sure, says Mick from Kells. Important to look after the cat because where there's one rat, there may be more. Thanks indeed for that. Paddy was on to say, Jerry, doors, windows open. They'll get in the smallest little opening into your house. I've had a problem myself, had to deal with it. So just warning listeners to be careful. Thank you indeed. Oh, lovely to hear from Lorraine McCarthy, a guest of ours previously on Late Lunch, Celebrant Ireland. Lovely to hear from you, Lorraine. Lorraine has a Renault 5. And she says, I really enjoyed listening to your chat with Dennis. Here's a few pictures of ours. Oh, it's lovely. It really is. A 1988 Renault 5. There you are. So Lorraine has one as well. Good to hear from you. So there's one in Louth and one in Mead. Uh, that is really good to hear. Thanks, Lorraine. Best wishes to you. Uh, of course, the founder of Celebrant Ireland there. Jerry, would you consider Bagatelle for your Artist of the Week on the show at some stage? There have some great songs. I will indeed, Maraid. I promise you they're on the list. Uh, many, many artists on the list. We'll have a new one for you next week, of course. And finishing off with the Carpenters this week. In the week where we had a change of president in the White House, 
Interesting that Richard Nixon, yes, he had to resign. Watergate, remember that? Uh, Richard Nixon was a big fan of the Carpenters and they played a concert at the White House on the 30th of April, 73. And on that day, a couple of Nixon's aides had to resign and it was the forerunner of what was what was to come, Nixon having to go in 74. But there you are, he was a fan of theirs. And shocking news emerging years later after Karen died that... Uh, the master tapes of all their works were destroyed in a massive fire at Universal Studios in 2008. Gone and gone forever. But luckily, their recordings survived in other fashions. And thank God they did. Because today, I'm going to play for you a song that went to number two in the United States in 1970. It was just kept out of number one. It went gold. It sold over a million copies in the States and was voted in the UK as the number two favourite Carpenter song of all time. Here it is. Yeah, Karen Carpenter there on Late Lunch this afternoon. And Richard, of course, we've only just begun. Wonderful, wonderful song. What a voice. Yes, the Carpenters are featured artists of the week on Late Lunch this week. Now, uh, thank you, Liam. Liam O'Neill sending me in a picture there of another four-legged friend that met his Waterloo recently. Yes, they're out and about and you need to uh, make sure they don't get into your home. Yes, the story of Roland Rat in the driveway telling it to you earlier on on the show. Thanks, Liam, for that pick uh, on social media sent into us just now. Now, it's our final break of the afternoon coming up and the week on Late Lunch and we finish off, as usual, looking ahead to a big week of FA Cup action across the water with Leon Blanche from Boyle Sports. Don't care what anybody says, the FA Cup is still magic to me and many other football fans and it is the fourth round of the Cup across the water this weekend and to look ahead to some of the key games and some fairy tale games as well, it's Leon Blanche from Boyle Sports. Afternoon, Leon. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Let's sort of start in reverse order. I mentioned fairy tale ties and there are a number of them. But what I want you to look ahead to is Little Charlie, the lowest ranked side left in the competition, taking on the mighty Wolverhampton Wanderers. And Charlie are at home. Have they any chance, Leon? Uh, well, look, you know what? I mean, it is the FA Cup and I'm like you, Jerry. Um, I love it. Uh, it obviously lost a bit of its kind of allure over the years, I think. When Manchester United left and didn't play in the competition that season, um, I can't remember how many years ago it was, I think that Mm. did damage the FA Cup, but it still has that love affair with the kind of underdog coming up against the Premier League opposition. And this is it tonight, Chorley against Wolves. Look, Chorley, they pulled off a shock-beating derby, even though it wasn't Derby's first team. Um, It was still a decent side. And Wolves are going through a bit of a rough patch at the moment, Jerry. They haven't been able to kick on in the Premier League like they have done over the past couple of seasons. So, surely are the massive underdogs. There are, I mean, I think there's something like 16 or 18 to 1 to beat Wolves tonight. But this is a tie that Wolves probably won't be relishing. It'll be an old school pitch. There'll be bumps. It'll be heavy. It'll be nothing like the standard that you normally get to see in the Premier League week in, week out. You'd imagine Wolves would still have enough class. But the one thing Wolves are missing... They're missing goals. Even though they got two against West Brom when they were defeated 3-2, the young Portuguese kid is only 18. He got his first goal. That's a massive goal for young Silva. He cost over £30 million. But they've been missing Raul Jimenez, who, of course, is still out 
after suffering that horrific injury against Arsenal. They sold Diogo Yota to Liverpool. How Liverpool could do with him as well, but mm. they're, they're struggling for goals. I think Chorley, if they can keep it close, keep it tight, even if they're getting beaten 1-0, they always have a chance of scoring a goal. I think Wolves will get over the line, Jerry, but it won't be pretty. It's going to be a fascinating game. I'm looking forward to watching it tonight. Now, the All-Premier League uh, is the attraction in the big games, and there's two of them we're going to talk about. Firstly, Southampton against Arsenal. They played a few weeks back. Arsenal were in, in different form at the time. I think they snatched a draw at the Emirates, but there's very little between them. They're side-by-side side in the Premier League table, Southampton at home. What's your view on this one? Yeah, you know what, Jerry? I'm really looking forward to this one again. It's the early kickoff tomorrow, quarter past 12. Southampton, they'll be looking at this. I don't think it's a giant killing anymore. I mean, a couple of years gone by, yes, people would have said if Southampton beat Arsenal in any type of game, let alone it be an FA Cup tie, that that would be a shock. But not now. I actually think Southampton are better equipped than Arsenal are at the moment. Arsenal, they beat West, or sorry, they beat Newcastle. It was nice and handy. Aubameyang, good for his confidence. And I'm sure, like yourself, who's an Arsenal fan, it was good to see him get back on the score sheet. He signed a huge contract People were trying to compare Aubameyang with Ozil and I thought that was unfair. I think Aubameyang has been a great servant for Arsenal ever since he signed for the club. Yes, he was going through a bit of a barren patch, but he's back amongst the goals. I think there will be goals in this game. I think both teams will score. It's a tricky game for Arsenal and playing Southampton away. But I still like what Arteta is doing. A lot of these young players are getting game time for Arsenal. Smith Rowe is an exceptional footballer. He just, he reminds me of kind of a, he's like a young Robert Perez or a young Paul Scholes. He's always about the ball. He wants the ball. He can create chances. I think both sides are going to play strong teams because I think this is a realistic uh, target for both teams to go long in the competition. Arsenal are the cup holders. Don't be surprised, Jerry, if this finishes a draw after 90 minutes. And then we all know it's the lottery. What's going to happen? I believe these ties actually go to extra time first before penalties. I'm going to go for the draw after 90 minutes at 23 to 10. And I just hope for Arsenal's sake that they have enough to see it off an extra time. But this is going to be a fascinating encounter. Now, the big one to finish off today in your preview. Well, there's no doubt there's just one outstanding tie. They met last week at Anfield and it finished in a draw. United will feel they could have won that game. But United, home advantage tomorrow, whatever that means in the current climate, to Liverpool in the Cup. What about this one? Yeah, look, I mean, Jerry, this is, I mean, Liverpool, they just can't score goals. They just, in the last five matches, whatever's happened since they put in seven against Crystal Palace. They just have not been able to find the back of the net. One goal in five is a horrific return. Manchester United, well, Jerry, they still haven't clicked into full gear in terms of Old Trafford. They've been exceptional away from home in the Premier League. They've only drawn twice, and that was away to Leicester and away to Liverpool. And as you rightly said, only for Alisson pulling off two fantastic saves. Man United would have came away from Anfield with all three points. Liverpool... Jorgen Klopp, you can just start to see the pressure is getting to him a little bit. Who will he play? He rested Salah. He rested Firmino against Burnley last night. They'll probably both start. I don't know how this game is going to go. You'd have to fancy Manchester United, the way Liverpool are playing at the present time. They're just not able to score goals. And for that reason, I'm going to go for Man United at home. I think they're in good form. Pogba scored an absolute worldie against Fulham. Yes, people have kind of cribbed and said it was only Fulham. You cannot take away from class. 
and that was a class strike. So for me, Man United to pile more misery on us Liverpool fans, I think United are going to win this one at 6-4. You'd be foolish to say Liverpool could go to Old Trafford and win. The way they're playing at the moment, Jerry, they look a bit lost of ideas. Trent Alexander must have hit about 10 crosses into the box against Burnley, but there was no one in the box. But he kept doing the same thing over and over again. Jurgen Klopp said that he's going to have to speak to them. Klopp, in fairness, took 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 all the blame. He said, it's my fault. They're not Obviously, I'm not getting across what I want them to do clearly enough, but I would doubt that. I think the players have got to hold their hands up. They just haven't been playing well. And for me, Man United to knock Liverpool out of the FA Cup. There you have it. Wolves, Arsenal and United, Leon's picks from the games we feature today. Leon, thanks a million. Enjoy the weekend's cup football. I'm looking forward to it myself and we'll talk to you again next Friday. All the best, Jerry. Take care. That's Leon Blanche there, communications manager with Boyle Sports, rounding off the week on Late Lunch. want to say my thank yous as usual to our guests who joined us on the show every day. Thank you so much indeed. And for all the people who told their stories to us this week as well. It was a touching week, I have to say, with so many lovely stories. Uh, I want to say a big thank you to you, our listeners, for tuning in to Late Lunch every afternoon. We love your company and uh, thank you indeed. I want to say a big thank you to Eamon and Brian back at base for keeping the show on the road and to my wonderful producer Louise Walsh for all her wonderful work on this programme I couldn't do it without her anyway that's it for another week Eddie's coming next with The Drive stay tuned here to LMFM Radio mind yourselves take care hands face and space remember this weekend see you Monday The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Strahda Dundalk and Cavan our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe sales are click and deliver only through our website blackstonemotors.ie stay safe from Blackstone Motors It's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 